What is up, everybody? Welcome into this Tuesday episode of Flipping Bats. A lot of fun stuff to talk about today. New faces, new places. A lot of the players that got moved are off to really good starts with their new teams. We'll break down some of the best of those. We also have Would You Rather today. Producer Taylor coming out here to help me through that. We also have a good honesty hour. It's about the Chicago Cubs. And we'll finish up with Twitter questions from you guys. We'll Twitter threads from a couple different places. This one is going to be a lot of fun. Let's get to it. Fly ball onto the track. At the wall, it's gone! Home run! Turns on a ball, deep right field, and gone! What a game, what a moment. Happy Tuesday, my friends. I am joined, as always, by Alex Curry. And Alex, uh, Tuesday, big day. Big day in the baseball world. Also, Monday night, as we mentioned, you went to Taylor Swift, but we record the Tuesday episode before you ended up going to the concert. So we're going to get that update on Thursday's episode. But... um, a lot to talk about today. We got a lot to talk about, and I'm just keeping the sparkle theme alive because it's Taylor Swift week in Los I like Angeles. That. I know you were watching the live stream, so you've actually seen a little more of the concert than uh than I have yet. I've seen. Uh, I know every. I know everything that happens <laughs> in the concert. It's if you like open any of your social media feed right now, it's all Swift. If you're in LA, yes. But though your the algorithm does feed you. Uh, the algorithm. So here's just, me talking about it. Yeah. And so it's just giving me and it, like, I mean I've, preparation I've, for T Swift. Yeah. Okay. I have. Uh, I've seen pretty much everything there is to see, except seeing it in person. Yeah. Which would have so been. I've been trying not to because I want to have like a little yeah, bit of that like happy surprise of it all. That's the way to do it. I know. I'm yep. excited. But hey, we're officially a week out from the trade deadline. One week, which is crazy. Um. And there've been some great moves. And so we want to, in this next segment, we're going to do new faces in new places and kind of talk about who did really well here at the trade deadline. So let's start with Matt Scherzer now on the Rangers and his outing against the White Sox. You know, Max started off really bad. It was like the worst ending of the worst ending of his year so far Mm -hmm. and his very first inning with the Rangers. And that was it. That was all the damage that was done. He ended up locking in, having a great first start there with the Rangers. Six innings pitched. Those three earned runs all came in the first inning. Nine strikeouts. So what started off as a nightmare ended up as a very, very good start for Max Scherzer with the Rangers, which is exactly what that team needs and needed was starting pitchers and just pitching help all around. So getting a guy like Max, huge for them. Great start. And that's what a good veteran does. It's that you have a tough start to an outing. You got to be able to not let it affect you and turn it around the way that he did, Yep. which is what they needed. All right, let's move on to another veteran pitcher, Scherzer's uh, former teammate, your big brother, Justin Verlander, back with the Astros, making his first start with the Astros against the Yankees. And he looked great. Yes, his debut with the Astros. His 2023 debut, his re-debut, seven innings pitched, two earned runs, four strikeouts. It feels like he, he always pitches well in Yankee stadium and for his first start to be there, um, kind of fitting, you know, every it's a, it's a rivalry between those Mm -hmm. two and for him to go back and join the Astros and for his first start to be there in New York, uh, ended up a good start. The Astros only ended up with two hits, I think that game. So he didn't get the win. He ended up with the loss, but he threw great. Seventies pitched, 
two earned, four strikeouts. He was great. There's nothing you can really do when you don't get the run support. So as we said, he's back. He's back. He's back. He's back. He's back. It did take him. It took him. He didn't have his command for a little while there in the first couple of innings. And then he found it and locked in for the rest of the outing and looked really then kind of coasted after those first couple innings where he was a bit erratic, but yeah, really good start. He's been back for a couple months now. Mm -hmm. Well, let's move on to another pitcher, Jack Flaherty now on the Orioles and had a great first outing against the blue Jays. I really liked this. He, He had a dominant start and Jack Flaherty, let's not forget a few years ago before all the injuries started happening to him. He was one of the best young pitchers in the game of baseball, but he hasn't been that guy of late for the Cardinals. And then he gets moved to the Orioles His first start, six innings pitched, one earned run, eight strikeouts. In the very first inning, he threw a pitch 97 miles an hour, which is the hardest pitch he's thrown all year long in his first inning with a new team. So that's great. You know, sometimes you just have to have a change of scenery to get out of like a little funk you might be in or like a little rut. And for Jack Flaherty, maybe a move to to the Orioles in the middle of a playoff a pennant chase and while trying to win the division, maybe that's exactly what he needed because he was phenomenal. So, you know, I was, I, I wasn't critical of the Jack Flaherty pickup. I was critical of the Orioles for not going out and getting like a bigger name, like a big top end starter. And I still would be critical of that. Yeah. But if Jack Flaherty is going to be this guy, it is exactly what they needed. And like you said, cause we kind of mentioned this when the trade happened, when we did our trade deadline show, it's you hope when there's a move like this, it is just yeah. new beginning, new start. And you can kind of get your mind right to get to a new place. And he did. He became the first Orioles pitcher with eight strikeouts and one or fewer earned runs allowed in his debut with the team since 1966. Wow. That's great. Yeah. He did awesome. All right. Let's move on to our next new face in a new place. Jordan Montgomery. Now with the Rangers against the Marlins. Another great outing. The Rangers got exactly what they intended to, at least in the first week since the deadline with Max Scherzer and Jordan Montgomery, six innings pitched, two earned runs, six strikeouts, and a rotation that was supposed to be led by Jacob deGrom this year that ended up being injury plagued and Mm -hmm. he's out for the year. And then you have Nathan Eovaldi get hurt. So a rotation that's ended up being led by Eovaldi and John Gray. Now you add Max Scherzer and, and Montgomery it's exactly what they needed. He was great. That is crazy. Cause you think obviously DeGrom going down the hope in the beginning of the season, we know he's injury prone and you hope that wouldn't happen, but then Evaldi steps up and then he just recently gets injured and yeah. now they've just restacked their starting rotation, which will be even better once everyone is back and healthy. Is that, I saw like a light bulb click in your I head. Was like, I was oh, like, yeah, what you just, what happened over there? <laughs> I, I know I was staring off into the distance. I was like, yeah, they're one and two. Both went down and then they just got a new one and two. Yeah. yeah. So they're not getting, they're not getting the ground back this year, but he no. hopefully comes back. And then you look at a playoff rotation of max. Yeah. Uh, they have Dane Dunning pitching. Great. John gray, Jordan Montgomery will probably get some innings in the playoffs. I mean, they've put together a really good team. We talked about it yesterday. They may have had the best trade deadline situation, getting exactly what they needed with starting pitching, relief pitching, just really everything that they needed. They went they to had awareness get. of their weaknesses yeah. and they went out and addressed those weaknesses. Yes, they and did. They, they're Bottom line. Playing great for that. 
All right. Well, let's move on to our next new face in a new place. Moving to, to some position players. Jamer Candelario, Cubs new infielder, playing great. Playing phenomenal. Now, he was an all-star this year. Uh, went back to the Cubbies where it all began for him, but has since made a few stops. Tigers, Nationals in there. But now he's with the Cubs and he's a much bigger part of that lineup. He's and he hit 579 in his first week there and OPS over 1500. He's got 11 hits, eight runs scored, two RBIs and a homer. He's been quite literally unstoppable since he, since the trade. And it is exactly what that Cubs team needed. A Cubs team that is playing lights out right now. They're one of the best teams in baseball. Um, They've been playing like one of the best teams in baseball since I don't know, the all-star break. I think that's fair to say. So yeah, he's been fantastic. It's just crazy how much a team and a season can completely turn everything around with, I guess, a little bit of hope, luck and a winning streak. Cause yeah. they were in the conversation to be sellers, go on this crazy winning streak and then become buyers and just have been lights out yeah. ever since the vibes are, the vibes are rolling there. Yeah. They're they sometimes you just need the vibe. You need that like feeling and you can tell like based off the team and their energy after games, the Cubs got it going on down there at Wrigley right now. And uh, speaking, there, speaking of that there, up there, wherever Chicago in, is from inland here. in there, in <laughs> Cubs got it rolling in there in Wrigley. <laughs> oh, okay. We'll get to the Cubs. We got, we got one more new face in a new place. Uh, I'm Rosario with the Dodgers is just red hot. You know, this pickup was a head scratcher when we didn't know who it was for. Yeah. It was like, why are you trading for Ahmed Rosario? He's been a very less than average hitter this year, according to, you know, WRC plus all that stuff. He is not, he's not been good this year and he gets traded to the Dodgers. And I feel like they just have a knack for doing this. You Mm -hmm. get moved and the Dodgers just make you a good baseball player. And since he's gone over there, eight games, eight hits nine RBIs in eight games. I mean, the guy's killing it and he's playing great defense. He made an unbelievable dive and play the other day against uh, the Padres. He's, he's been great Been a good pickup for them after all. See, that's what you need. Sometimes it's just a fresh new start, new beginnings. And it's almost like you feel like you get a second chance at your season, Yep, which is cool. New faces, new places, new faces faces in new places. places. Yeah, that that goes better than that was good. Yeah, it was a week. We are a week officially from the trade deadline. And yeah, these teams did great. Alex, I know we just did. We just did this yesterday. Yep. We're going to do it again. Yes. Got another honesty hour. We were just talking about the Cubbies. Let's talk about the Cubbies. Let's hop on in the trust tree. Let's get honest about what they got going on at Wrigley Field right now. Obviously, the team is playing great. Mm hmm. They're really good. They're really fun. The crowds are always great at Wrigley. But what I need to be honest about is the post-game song when they win, Go Cubs Go. I watch games and I see the song or I hear the song happening after and everybody stays in the stands and sings along and they start waving the W, the flag, and it just is an awesome experience. So I tweeted this. Every stadium needs something like go Cubs go for after games keeps fans there for every second waiting to be a part of that. Also a really cool experience for fans. The Cubs do it right at Wrigley. Also 
Shout out me for adding in that last sentence. <laughs> what? I wanted to find a way to tag the Cubs. So I just yeah. added in that last sentence and then they retweeted it to well, 2.5 at Cubs do it right at Wrigley. Oh, cool. Then they retweeted it. 2.5 million people. Sick. So I'm glad. So again, shout yeah. out me for, for adding that. And <laughs> I just want to thank me because I am amazing and I am doing great. So seriously, <laughs> they do it right. And I understand there's 29 other teams. You can't all sing go Cubs go after games. What I'm saying is you need to have something like that. And some of the responses, what? There is a team that has something like that. And we experienced it during the postseason last year in Philly. The yes. Phillies have dancing on my own. And we've continued to talk about that. That is some of the most magical moments and memories that we have after games. Just seeing the entire crowd stay. Everybody sings along and it just it changes your entire like vibe being of just, not, uh, it's, it's magical. I'm not sure they're doing that this year. I don't know. I haven't been to a game. We I haven't been. I got the feeling last that it was like part of the playoff run. Oh. Sort of thing. That was like the team. Can song. we confirm? Yeah, can we'll a, get people, can let a Phillies us know. fan let us know yeah. if this is still happening? If they still play dancing on my own after games. After wins. Let us know after wins. Yeah. But my whole point here is that other teams need to do this. And I'm not talking about just play like, a song. Cause a lot of comments were like, most teams have a song they play after wins. I'm not talking about that. Like come up with a song mm. or just make it a big deal for your team and for the organization at the beginning of the year, send out a, a memo on social media to the world stating in an effort to make the fan experience at our stadium, even better. And one of the best in the world, we're going to play this song after games and we would love for the fan base to join in with us. What if you made it a contest? So fans come together and are sending in the mm -hmm. best possible songs and it gets voted on. And then it's like this whole interactive experience for the fans, from the fans, yes. bringing everybody together. <gasps> then they're like a part of the whole experience and, and a part of the team. In. They'll want to buy in when it does finally happen. And then they do something during the off season. So then it's ready right when the season Correct. starts. Exactly. Let's do this. 100%. Yes. Okay, and then you I'm can in. send out the, you send out, everybody will know in the off season, it gives people time to get ready and get excited. And it really does. Like you're not going to have as many people leaving in the eighth inning of a four run ball game because they want to beat traffic. No, you want to experience what's mm -hmm. happening at the end of the game. And it's just so cool to see. And it's a great part of baseball. And I think more teams should have more than just a song that they play after wins. They need to have something that encourages the crowd to get involved. And that is honesty hour. I got an update. On the Philly situation. Oh, we so they do. did retire it at okay. the start of the season, but then halfway through the first half when they weren't playing so well, they started playing it again after they started winning. Wow. So. Well, bring it back. I like that. Keep it halfway through the first half. Some people call that a quarter. <laughs> Some people call it halfway through a half, but either way, they brought it back. <laughs> I like that. I, I, I love that. I will. I remember it. I will. Sorry. <laughs> she really liked that. I will, I will remember that forever. Yeah. Like I that is one of, you know, it's like a core memory of being out on the field yeah. after a world series, when uh, they won a world series game, it was the, it was game three. I believe we walked down the field, the whole stadium singing, dancing on my own. It, I will remember it forever. And those are the sort of things that I feel like more and more teams need to do. And to your point, let the fan base be a part of it. Mm -hmm. So then they want to do it during the season. I, I, it's genius.
It's genius. It makes sense. We're geniuses. Shout out Alex. You're welcome. Thank you. Oh, yes. shout out me. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You, cool, cool. you participated in that. You had a thought I to came bring up forward. With that. Yeah. 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 Cool. We both got shout outs to the show. We're doing great today. Halfway through the first half of this segment, you came up with that. <laughs> oh, All right. That's honesty uh, hour. That was, was a good honesty hour. That was now, honest. That was fun. Now it is time for Would You Rather. All right. And for Would You Rather, we are bringing out producer Taylor, who puts all this together very graciously, takes his time to put all this together. And uh, yeah, let's have some let's have some good conversations here. All right. So for everyone at home, in case they don't know, I'm just going to give you some stats. Two players, player A, player B, and then you're going to decide which one you'd rather have. And then we'll have a discussion. Pretty simple. So for the first edition, we're doing third baseman. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Wow. Proud of you. All right, player A, 286 batting average, 477 home runs. It's a lot of home runs. Player B, 303 average, 468 home runs. Main difference between these two is that player B has an MVP, player A does not. All right, so I'm going to guess that player B is the Hall of Famer here, is what wow. I'm going to say. Hot take. But player A has a much higher... I don't know if much higher is the word, but a significantly higher war, 93.5 war. Wow. Player B, zero gold gloves. Player A, five gold gloves. Yeah, player B is not a good defender. Yeah. No. Yeah, not a good defender. Uh, Can we go back to the other other stats? Player B hit 303 on his career. Player A, over 3,000 hits. Over 3,000 hits, more homers, more gold gloves. Um, I, I believe player B is going to be the hall of famer, but I would take player a here. Wow. All right. Done. Final answers before we reveal player a player B won the MVP award. There's an MV one MVP uh, player B has MVP. Yes. Two silver sluggers, four silver sluggers for, yeah, I'm yeah. Give me player a, I think player B is going to be a much bigger name. All right. I think popularity played into it here. A lot of all-star games too. Give me player a though. Let's reveal. All right. Player a. Adrian Beltre, no! player B, no! Chipper Jones. I knew you'd be upset. I no. knew. Yeah, I knew you'd be so upset. No, I don't like this. Yeah, Chipper's my favorite player. I know that's that. That was your. But reaction. I'm also not saying he shouldn't be in the Hall of no, Fame. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. I just think f- the reason for this one was that you're I, evil. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I uh, I don't think Adrian Beltre gets enough love, like for the numbers that he put up. Uh, also a key factor here is that he should have won the MVP in 2004, but this guy named Barry Bonds existed. So he finished second, uh, finished top five twice in the MVP. But the thing that stood out for me from uh chipper is that no gold gloves. Yeah. It's wild to me, but uh chipper finished top five uh, in the MVP twice as well, obviously winning that one. But uh, what, what's your main reaction here other than being very upset? I'm that very you- <laughs> disappointed in you for doing this to me. I love Chipper Jones. He is my favorite player. He was my favorite player growing up, both Joneses, Chipper yep. and Andrew. And uh, yeah, he's absolutely one of the greatest of all time. And I think Adrian Beltre, uh, I, this is kind of what I was thinking would happen. Player B would be a big name yep. and player A would be somebody that's a little underappreciated. And I think that's Adrian Beltre. I think he's... A Hall of Famer. That voting hasn't started yet. What's he? Three his, years. Ne- next year. Next, next year, year will be his year. year, and he's kind of the big name on that ballot. I, I think there's no doubt he gets in. 100. Uh, he'll be a first ballot for sure. Over 3,000 hits. Basically a 300 hitter. 
about 500 home runs and a couple gold gloves. Tough not to be. 3,000 hits for him. That's a lot. God, he was so good. Uh, you ready? Great defender. Yeah, ready. I'm so, disappointed. Yeah, I know. I just I didn't want you to linger too long. Yeah. Uh, so for this edition, we're yeah. going first baseman. All right. So player A, 296 batting average, okay. 353 home runs. Player B, 284 average, 493 home runs. Mm. And then the difference here on the award side is that player A has an MVP. Player B does not. Ben, mm. who would you rather have? This is first baseman. First baseman. Six all-star games for player A, five for player B. Player one A gold has glove a, for player much A. Much higher war. Much higher war. One MVP. And the statistics. This is where things, eras matter a lot here for MVPs and like who your competition is. But player A hit 296. Definitely less homers, but OPS still higher. He's a big doubles guy. Um, what's, I'm going to... What's sticking out? What's sticking out? Yeah, is, like what, what, what's holding you up? I, I want to go player A, but player B almost hitting 500 homers is quite the, quite the accomplishment. I'm going to go player A, though. Better defender, higher war, still good pop. Almost hit 300 for his career. I'll go player A. All right, final answer. And the MVP. Yeah. All right, let's reveal. Player A is Joey Votto. Player B, recent Hall of Famer, Fred McGriff. Crime dog. So the things that kind of stick out for me is obviously Joey Votto, big on-base guy. That's why the OPS is up there. Home runs is down. Did win that MVP. Finished top five in the MVP three times. McGriff only finished top five once. Also the no gold gloves, but like, this is kind of that thing. I know that you believe that Joey Votto will be a hall of Famer. I think he's a hall of famer, but we all saw the mad dog thing a week or so ago <laughs> where, uh, he called him a hall of very good player. I do not believe Joey Votto is in the hall of very good. I believe he is a hall of famer. So I know he's on the back end of this career. Do you think he has to get anywhere in terms of these stats? to kind of help with these voters because it is first base. The home run totals are not where you'd like, but like if he gets to 400, he ain't getting to 400, 50 more homers in his career. Yeah. How many more years do you think he's got two or three? Yeah. It's going to be difficult. It's doable, but I also think a career average of 300 would have made a huge difference, but I think that's probably I don't think he's going to have full seasons hitting over 300 anymore. Yeah. I, again, it's just the, you know, the voters of the hall, the numbers and things they like to see. Right. And I think they're going to have a problem with the home runs hits again, not necessarily you, close to 3000. You know what's interesting with Joey Votto? He's made a conscious effort over the last two years to become way more media savvy, social media friendly. And I really think that stuff matters. You yeah. Know, there, there are players that have not gotten in because they were just not good people. And whether that's right or wrong, it, it definitely helps when guys are, are media friendly and the people yeah. that are voting for you like you. Yeah. And I, I think he's becoming more and more and more likable right in front. I've always loved Joey Votto, but now like everything's on social media, it's right in front of you. I think he's doing a, a great job at that. I think it matters. And I think his number, I, I think he's a, I think he's a hall of famer. 
Yeah, his, his war definitely helps. Uh, he won't be first ballot for me, but he's got a chance. We'll see how these next couple of years pan out. Yeah. But uh, you ready for the last last round here? Yeah, I liked. We had a conversation before we Taylor had a big iteration. If you've been listening for the last few weeks, when we go on to a new round, <laughs> as he just referenced, he would always say, "Here's our next iteration." So he's really worked hard yeah, here. You got to get those vocab words in. You know yep. what I'm saying? Yep. All right. So last final one. round pitchers. All right. So player a 165 wins 2.76 ERA player B 110 wins 3.74 ERA. And the big difference on the award side is that player a has three Cy Young's player B has two Cy Young's Ben, who would you rather have? This is a no brainer player a, and this is what makes me feel like player B is going to be a hall of famer. <laughs> this is no, there's no, player a is better in every single category. It's a, that's accurate. Uh, strikeouts has more strikeouts, wins, ERA nine's the same, but, uh, yeah, all stars and four world series ERA far better, more world series ERA is a, a full run better. My guess here is that player B is going to be, if I had to guess, uh, I'm going to say player B is in the Hall of Fame and is an American League pitcher would have been my guess, but my answer here is player A. It's uh, it's going to be it's going to prove to be a a, a good choice, but uh, we'll reveal. Player A is Sandy Koufax. Player B, Tin Lincecum. Okay, so that's okay. So the two main things here is that uh, Sandy played for 12 years, but really 10 seasons. Tim played for 10, but really eight. In terms of the games, uh, I know this is something that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, this is a the, the Tim Lincecum, the Tim Lincecum conversation becomes an interesting one because of the peak that he had, which yeah. was arguably you could argue it was one of the greatest peaks we've ever seen in the history for any pitcher ever in baseball. Does that make him a Hall of Famer? You look at these numbers. Uh, I think you have to you take into mind that the win totals low because his career didn't last very long and stuff ended up, you know, there were injuries that came about and his career just came to a very abrupt end, but winner, a lot of championships, three world series, three world series was a, was the, the guy on a couple of those teams. And there was that peak that Tim Lincecum was, everybody knows the name, Tim, Tim Lincecum. And I just, I think the hall of fame conversation at least becomes interesting. I, I don't think you can get in with a, with a career three, seven, four ERA. Yeah. No back-to-back Cy Young's, uh, led the league in oh, strikeouts. He was so good though. Led the league in strikeouts three straight years. Obviously we're not saying that like Tim Linscombe is Sandy Koufax. It's just a comparison of short careers. Uh, obviously Tim, had those three years. I think it was uh, over 230 strikeouts, sophomore and junior, and his fourth year in the league. Um, won those three World Series. I mean, Sandy Koufax, obviously. What made you pick Koufax as the comparison here? I mean, like, if I were to put up all of his awards, it, like, wouldn't have been, like, that big of a deal. But yeah. uh, short, short, high peaks. Uh, obviously Koufax, I still think is a, um, hall of famer because triple crown three times ERA title five times was an MVP as well. But like in terms of wins for the hall of fame, 
They're pretty close. Multiple Cy Youngs. It's just the only real comparison I think you can do for Tim Linscum in terms of greatness because those two Cy Youngs, but like, you know, anyone else that had pitched for 14 plus years, like the wind tools aren't going to be remotely close. Yeah, but that's what you take that into account. You know, I look, uh, this is a different sport, but the one, the one guy that keeps coming into my mind of really, really good for a shorter career is Calvin Johnson. Megatron just got yep. into the hall of fame with numbers that, you know, there's an argument that he was the greatest wider, you know, is the most dominant wide receiver ever, but he got in though his numbers and totals aren't, but those numbers and totals aren't like the career ERA. Yeah. That's tough. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess you can't put them in, but man, what a, what a, what a peak. Yeah. If you just had a little bit longer of a career, who knows? But yeah, I don't think, I mean, there's not a chance that these guys are voting in somebody with 110. No, no, yeah, he doesn't get voted yeah. in. But I'm glad he, I, I wanted to, I want, I'm glad we did that. Yeah. Good work. You hey, did great. Thanks. You know what? I tried. Yep. You did great. And that does it for this week's iteration of Would You Rather. All right, we are going to wrap this baby up with some Twitter questions now, some thread questions. And for that, Alex is back to walk us through some of these. I love how you just completely disregard the fact that Twitter is now called X. We Are we are we collectively deciding we're not going to call it X? Let's just keep calling oh, it Twitter. It's, it's Twitter. I'm Look, into that. You type, you go online, you type no, in. No, I'm into that. You type in Twitter.com, it takes you to Twitter. I dare you to type in X.com and see where it takes you. <laughs> I yeah, wouldn't that do was it. the worst decision he could have ever, <laughs> ever made to change the name. Okay, our first Twitter question then. We're going to stay with Twitter questions. Mm -hmm. And this one comes from Jay Hernandez. Ben, who has the nastiest pitch in baseball today? Uh, every time I, I think about this question, I think of Devin Williams' change-up slash airbender, it's called. I mm -hmm. mean, it's, I think it's the best pitch in the game of baseball. Um, some others that come to mind, like, Camilla Duvall's cutter, you know, it's a hundred and 101 mile an hour cutter. Uh, Yohan Duran's 103 mile an hour, like splitter sinker thing. It's, it's ridiculous. But if I had to give one answer, I would say Devin Williams airbender. Changer. What about Kodasinga's ghost fork ball? That's Is that good. in there? That's a good one. Top yeah. five, top three. Yeah. I'd say uh, top, right? top three is probably, uh, yeah, it's a top. It's definitely five. a top 10 pitch in baseball. Probably okay. maybe top five. Mm -hmm. Just spe specifically one pitch gets yeah. real like, you know, like Kevin Gosman's splitter. Yeah, there's some, some nasty pitchers there out there. There are some nasty. And you know what makes me feel good? I was playing professional baseball when all of these guys that we're seeing now were in the minors. So I was getting these guys throwing 103. <laughs> I was like, what is, what am I, what am I what is swinging happening? at? How did, what did I just see? I, I one time got a pitch 101 at my head. The guy threw sidearm, threw 101 at my head, and then a slider that started at my hip and ended up on the outside corner. I was like, I, how does anybody Magic. hit this? And I figured out the answer. They don't. They don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Let's move on to our next Twitter question. This one comes from V Twins 2008. Now, do y'all think the Angels will keep or let go Otani in free agency and why? And where do y'all think he will end up? Uh, my answer is that I don't think it's the angels decision to make. No, it's going to be Shohei's decision. And, um, that's the short answer that that is the answer. Yeah. But, uh, I, where do I think he goes? Uh, I put together a top, 
five a couple of weeks you ago. Did. And I think uh, I would take one of those teams out. The Mets were on that. And now I think the Mets no, are no longer. I, I would say legitimately three options. I would say the Dodgers, Padres, four options. Dodgers, Padres, Giants, Mariners would be. All the, all the West Coast teams. Yeah. Yeah. Besides yeah. the Angels. Yeah. But no. you never know. I will say there's <sighs> more of a chance now than there was like two months ago. But oh. they're really not playing well. Eh. If they don't make it into the wild card, I don't think he stays. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's, a that's just shot. what it is. And that's in their own destiny's in their own hands. They, they, they can do that, but uh, yeah, it's not looking good. No. Not looking good. All right. Let's move on to our next Twitter question. This comes from Maddie. This is for both Alex and Ben. If you can manage a struggling team right now, which team is it? What changes will you make to save their season? I know my answer. All right. The New York Yankees. Ooh. And I'd lay into their ass for the way that they're handling certain things. I talked about it yesterday. I mm -hmm. thought it was unacceptable, the handling of Giancarlo Stanton and the way he ran the bases. And one, I think it was important to note when we heard Aaron Boone speak post-game that he's healthy. He's fine. Look, even if you're slow, you, t you can tell when somebody's giving a full effort running. Yeah. That wasn't a full effort. And Aaron Boone went in post-game and just made a bunch of excuses. And I, I think should have laid into his ass and told mm -hmm. him that it's unacceptable. And I, I, I just think the answer for me to take over a struggling team and I, are we considering the Yankees struggling? I would say yes, but they're still a good team in a playoff playoff. Hopeful. I just think they need, um, I just think things need to be handled differently from the top of the organization ownership down to the, the player. I think every, I think they just need a shakeup and yeah. I would love to take charge of that shakeup. What about you? Dang. So my team is also, I, I don't know if you'd call the uh, kind of a struggling team. They're struggling right now. We were just talking about them. The angels. Um, they also need to look in the mirror and realize you have two months to figure out how to keep the best player in the game. And you need to figure out how to give him a day off because he is cramping almost every yeah. game. And he knows he needs a day off. He said he does. He just doesn't feel like he can because he is that team. You need to figure out a way to give Shohei Otani some rest so he can be in for the entire game and in for his entire starts and be the player that we see and know that he can be the back-to-back -back player of the month. Okay, manager Alex, let, yeah. let me propose to you a hypothetical situation. Okay. You're manager of the Angels. Okay. I'm Shohei Otani. You walk up to me and say, it's you, not, you need a day off. It's not in and his I DNA. Say, no. Yeah. I want to play. How do you handle that? Well, your body keeps cramping. You I know you need a day off. If we want to keep you going for the next two months, talk with the trainer, whoever you do. Let's figure out maybe it's a day game to an off day or a night game to an off day where you get two days and we can take full advantage of that time that you need because he does, he needs a day of rest. So you'd force him to sit. Even if he's saying, I want to play, I'm good. Well then what? Then he's going to cramp again and get taken out of the game. I don't know, coach. You tell me what you want. Yeah. I'm sitting. This is tough. Cause I just, have you watched the quarterback series? I haven't watched it now. So I, on second to last episode with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid when he has a high ankle sprain, and Andy Reid is trying to take him out of the game. And he goes, no, uh-uh, no, I am in there. Yeah. They rush him to the x-ray room. Like, it's not broken. I'm in. I, I like, you are not taking me out. And it literally, <laughs> how do you tell, again, how do you tell someone that's the best player on your team? You're not playing when it's not in their DNA to actually step out, even if they're injured 
and they want to be out there. It's an interesting choice. I I, I had to put you in the hypothetical to see what you'd say. You got to try. I watched them try. They had the trainers come in and all the doctors and it's like, you need this. Yeah. And he'll say, I'm, I'm good. I want to play. And then you kind of force, they're going to get angry and maybe just a day. All right. A day. All right. Let's move on to our next Twitter question. This one comes from Scuba Steve. Love Scuba Steve. Please tell us what the Reds need to do to get back on track to have a chance for a division. Pitch. Yeah. Pitch semi-adequately. Since the trade deadline, they have a team ERA of over 11. Mm. I, I don't know if you've heard, but if you're giving up over 11 runs a game, it's going to be tough to win most of those. <laughs> That's what they need to do. I do think this offense is capable of putting up runs and bunches and being good enough to win the division, but they're not capable of scoring 12 runs a night to get into the playoffs. They're just not. Nobody is. They need to pitch. They need to pitch better. You need Hunter Green back. You need Nick Lodolo back. But even before the trade deadline, since the beginning of what, June, July, one of those, they had been, they'd had like the third best team ERA in baseball. Mm -hmm. So, and that's without Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo. They were just, they were doing really well with what they had. And that has really shifted since they decided to not add a, a pitcher. It's come back to, to bite them. They are not pitching well at all. All right, let's move on to our final fan question. And this one comes from threads. Mm. Uh-huh. All right. I know you were both college athletes. How did you balance school and sports? <laughs> Trial and error. Let me, let me <laughs> give you a glimpse into to my schedule as a, as a baseball player. This is most days of the week. Yeah. Uh, wake up at four 30 or five to go to a morning lift very early before classes begin We'd go to a morning lift and then go back into the locker room, shower, go out to classes, go to class from depends eight till lunchtime and then go to lunch and then go to the stadium and they're all day long practicing. And then you have practice and then you have individual <laughs> practice after bless you. Sorry. Thanks. And then you know, from there, go back in the locker room, shower, then go to study hall at the end of the night. You're there until, you know, nine o'clock at night. And then by nine 30 back in your dorms and you rinse and repeat and do it all over again. It was a very, it was very difficult for me, but, uh, Dean's list every semester. So I guess I did. Okay. Good for you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I also had to maintain not like just like family in order to like get help. Like my, my parents always had if you hit this, we'll help you here. If you hit this, we'll help you here. Mine was like a three, five average. So it was above a three, five average. And then my thing was no matter what, you just always go to class. doesn't matter how tired you are. doesn't matter if you're hungover. You just, you go to class. Did you ever, did you ever have any classes that were like the huge? Oh, all, like, oh, I was at San Diego state. I don't like, know what that means. I mean, I know it's a big, it's, uh, it's oh my God. It's what's big? it now? Oh my God. Yeah. Like half of my like first two years, it's like all the giant lectures, like 500 people lecture halls, <laughs> but I never missed a class. I was like my one rule, like, doesn't matter what you do the night before. Doesn't matter how hard, like late you were out or like how tired you are. You get up, you go to class. So I never missed a class. I typically didn't, but there was one class that was like, uh, it was bigger. So obviously there wasn't that connection of like a teacher seeing me and like, Oh, you're here professor. Uh Um, and there were like five of us baseball guys in that class. And what you did to register your attendance was you had like your clicker and then you had, you would do like a clicker quiz every day when we first got there. We had a couple clickers. So we would, 
we, we would rotate amongst us five baseball players. Get, <laughs> so one player every day would go with yeah. five clickers and just right. answer them on all the clickers real all quick. Right. And uh, yeah. yeah. So, but most, I mean, I got yeah. really good grades. I went to most all of my classes. Same. And, uh, but yeah, it, it's not an easy balance. You do, you do no. have to figure it out because playing a division one sport is a full time job. I mean, full time job. So yeah, tough balance. I just, I loved learning and I loved playing sports. And then I was also in a sorority. I, you were in a sorority. I did, How did, I, you do I did that? it all. I didn't play freshman year. So it was like, okay. that was my, cause I was still injured. Yeah. So that was my, um, be involved in something. And then it was fine. Cause I was just there for the social activity and I lived in the sorority house. Um, but I never had to be at anything. So I always had soccer practice. Were you on the team freshman year? Do you no. were just hurt or you weren't? No. And you were, I didn't, got no, I didn't do anything. No, it was done. Sophomore I year. tore all the ligaments in my ankle, uh, senior year of high school. So it was like, I thought that was it done. Would you and do then, like step on somebody intentionally or something? No, I went in for a slide tackle and she kicked my foot instead of the ball. Mm. Yeah. I was ugly. Um, yeah. So you ended up starting your sophomore year. Yeah. And then did you, did you stay in the sorority? For oh yeah. The rest? Wow. Yeah. I just didn't have to go to any of the commitments that I couldn't well, go yeah. to. Yeah. yeah. Which was nice. Good question. Yeah. Good question. Is that it? That's it. All right. That's your Tuesday episode. The first of two. This week in Shohei Otani news is back to being on, on Tuesday afternoon. So it comes out in the afternoon. Make sure you check that out as well. But that does it for this first Tuesday episode of the day, my friends. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to your podcast. We're also on all social media, including YouTube, where you can watch every single thing we do at Flippin' Bats Pod for all of them. Until next time, my friends, this has been another episode of Flippin' Bats. Peace.